What is inspiration in D&D 5e? Where do you get it? What do you do with it? Why does my DM never give it out? Hi, I'm Russell Kirkby and this is my role-playing game channel, Sidario, where we talk about role-playing games with a general focus on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. My goal is to help players with a series of videos that cover the basics of Dungeons & Dragons, the core game mechanics, and how to relate those to actual role-playing. So if you've ever looked at a D&D 5e character sheet, you'll notice that there's a little box in the top right-hand corner called Inspiration, and if you're new to D&D 5e, you might be wondering what that is. The rules for inspiration can be found on page 125 of the Player's Handbook, and they're summarized in just three short paragraphs. Basically, as written, inspiration is a reward that a DM can give a player for good role-playing, which can then be spent to gain advantage on an attack roll, a saving throw, or a skill check. A DM could give inspiration for good role-playing, for clever tactics, for cunning use of the context and the scenario, the elements in the scene, for playing their character really well, for really understanding their ideals and their bonds and their flaws and playing those out in the scene. The DM might also give inspiration for really brave or clever maneuvers that might be risky but otherwise were in character and made the game more exciting and fun for the other players. What kind of situations would you want to use inspiration in? How useful is it? Well, if you absolutely need to succeed on an attack roll or a saving throw or a skill check, having advantage on the roll is not to be sneezed at. Here are some examples of how you might use inspiration. You're fighting the mad wizard. One of your companions is down to zero hit points. They've failed two death checks already. You've got to make a medicine check to keep them alive. You're breaking into a vault. You've got to time your lockpicking check between the mobile patrols. If you roll a one, your DM might be really mean like I am, and you might break your tools. You're escaping from the dragon's lair. The building is crumbling around you. You jump out the window. You're surfing down the scree. You have to make an athletics check just to survive. Now might be a good time to spend that inspiration. In all three of these examples, the player is using their inspiration to try and mitigate some kind of dire situation. Now to be fair, a player can use their inspiration on any attack roll or saving throw or skill check, but it's probably a good idea to try and save those things up to use them wisely on a really dire, life-threatening situation. So the second way that you can use inspiration is that you can gift your inspiration to another player for good role-playing or clever thinking or something that's fun that you really like, something that impressed you. Um, they might be using their flaws or their bonds or their ideals in some unique way that you think is cool. Some DMs hand out inspiration like candy and the main problem with this approach is that some players begin to feel entitled to it. So the whole point of inspiration, in my view, is twofold. On the one hand, you're creating a kind of a motivation for the players to actually roleplay. And on the other hand, it's about giving the players a mechanic that operates a bit like willpower or luck or hero points or fate points to uh, give you a sense that you can do heroic stuff. I mean, you're supposed to be the heroes of the story. You might often get inspiration from your dungeon master when you do something really clever, really innovative or really meaningful. These moments will differ from DM to DM, from player to player, to group to group. You'll know these moments because they'll be literally inspired. Next, I'm going to give you some tips on etiquette before answering one final question on inspiration. Now, if you're checking out the links below, please subscribe and don't forget to hit the alert button if you want to get more of these types of videos.
DMs generally don't like players that beg, not for gold, not for XP, not for magic items, and definitely not for inspiration. Instead of saying to your DM, do I get inspiration for that every five minutes, maybe you want to include a description of how you're using your bond or your flaw or your trait into your description of what your action is so that it's clear that you're role-playing your character. So an example of this might be, I compassionately hold out my hand to the downtrodden beggar and offer my gold. Or, for example, my emotional bond gets the better of me as I rush into the fray in defense of my village. This is a subtle cue to your DM that you're actually role-playing your character, that you know your bonds and your traits and your flaws, and they're not just something cosmetic on your character sheet. This gives the DM a real pause for thought and the ability to think about whether or not you deserve to have some inspiration. Now, you can only have one usage of inspiration stored at a time. That's why you have that little checkbox over in the top corner of your character sheet. And you can't do anything with it except for spend it or pass it on to your fellow players. So if your DM regularly gives out inspiration, maybe you want to consider handing out your inspiration to the other players too. We were talking earlier about how to use your inspiration wisely and how you might want to save it up for those dire circumstances when there's a life-threatening situation and things are getting a bit treacherous. It's the big dragon at the end of the campaign, for example. But... On the other hand, there's a style of gaming where you might have inspiration a bit more regularly. You might pass it off to another player and then that gives you the opportunity to earn more inspiration. So actually, tactically, it might be better to give your inspiration to a fellow player than to actually use it yourself. Because then you've got two players with inspiration and they can always give it back to you. So I like to give inspiration to people when they role play in some sort of significant way that actually is coming from their character that really shows an understanding of who their character is and some sort of character arc and development. Um, I also like to give inspiration to those players who are coming to role playing maybe for the first time and they're just dipping their feet in the water and they're trying it out. And you want to encourage them to keep doing that. As a DM, you can gauge people's strengths and weaknesses pretty quickly. And it's not hard for you to figure out where their comfort zones are. So this is where you can use inspiration to really make some sort of effective change in your game. Where you can throw them inspiration when they cross outside their comfort zone. They do something that's unexpected. And they start to learn that when they do these unexpected things, you're going to give them inspiration. After you've gauged the player's experience and you've worked out where their strengths and weaknesses are, now you can find ways of giving them inspiration that encourages them to work on their weaknesses. So if you've got players who are a little bit tentative about role-playing, um, and you, you can bring them out of their shells with a little bit of inspiration every time they do some role-playing. You know, on the other hand, you might have players that are really good at role-playing, but they suck at combat. And maybe they're playing a, a, a tactician or a, you know, a combat master or something, and they just don't really try to think about tactics. Well, maybe when they do try, that's when you give them inspiration. Um, there's lots of other examples, but the point really is that you give inspiration for the in, in the areas of weakness that the players have rather than in their strengths because it's too easy for them. You're trying to inspire them. You want to see something inspired from them. Under any situation, when a player surprises you with something that is literally inspired, you should be giving them inspiration for that because it's inspired. That's the whole point. That's why it's called inspiration.
everybody hearing us well it looks like we're on and i oh, could right. hear the video a minute ago so i'm hoping that we can be heard seen and heard that'd be helpful that would be helpful well hello internet and welcome to the game if you're just joining us we are a tabletop talk show and podcast brought to you by dungeon studios we go beyond live play and dive deep into every topic from session zeros to campaign heroes and today we'll be talking about currencies <laughs> with uh, lively debates and thoughtful analysis and plenty of laughs uh, our weekly podcast is the perfect companion for any D&D fan we stream live and interact with our chat on Facebook every Monday almost every Monday uh, at 7 p.m. Pacific 10 p.m. Eastern and 2 p.m. New Zealand time uh, right. tonight we have with us the ever illustrious Russell that's you <laughs> and, me. Me. Uh, and me, I am Giddis, yes. And uh, tonight, not with us again is Doc, and I'm going to say that he is not with us because they need his fabulous face to mint the new special silver dollar. I think it would right. be a very good. I think he's got a good face. He's got a very right. good, uh, like angular. I don't know. I like his face. Good for stamping. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, how are you tonight? Today, today for you. Today for me? Well, I look. I'm expecting a phone call today, so it might come through in the middle of the stream. Let us hope not. Um, it's a very important phone call. I can't miss it. So, if I disappear for whatever reason, I, what I'll probably do is just put myself on mute and then wander out of shot if that happens. Um, and then I'll be straight back again. The minute is, this shouldn't take very long. I have to give someone a credit card number. Oh. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> yes, make sure um, you put really, yourself on mute. <laughs> these, these, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. These fuckers at the, in the government, they have like a, a window between certain hours that they allow you to, to deal with them. And so I've, I've called them already. I thought I would just get straight through earlier. Ha ha ha. Of course. They have, you have to leave a message and then they get back to you. So, ah, we'll see yeah. how we go. Yeah. Anyway, we'll yeah, I'm, besides that, I'm pretty good. All right. Well, yeah. that's good. It's thank you for letting us know. And then I will just um, be my awkward self all by myself while you go deal with that. <laughs> Probably won't even happen, you know, yeah. to, to be fair now. Yeah. I reckon it's getting a bit late, but we'll see. We'll see how we go. Okay. Anyway, let us be on with the show. Yes, let's uh, start the show off with, we do have a little bit of nerd news. Um, I've been trying to tailor the nerd news to just D&D &D, uh, and or, you know, other tabletop role-playing games, because that's really what our show is about. And, right. you know, I could we could talk forever about, like, all the different movies and shows and things that are right. going on, and there's just so much there. So um, what I did find, though, is that on... Mm -hmm. You know, here's the thing. Is, sorry, I paused because my brain just went... Pfft, because I don't think I actually clarified 
if it was D&D Beyond's website or if it's Wizards website, but I'm pretty sure oh. Wizards is now they're just on D&D Beyond. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I think D&D Beyond is just their website now. They own it for sure. Yeah, they, right. they purchased it a little while ago now. Right. So yeah. uh, my understanding that. is that um, they are moving away from physical D&D books. You can no longer get them on their website. Um, you can get hybrid bundles where you get the physical book and the digital book, um, but it's only you like have to certain... buy the hybrid. Yes, you have to buy the hybrid if you want the physical book. Now, I know. And here's the thing is, I mean, you can still get physical books wherever you get physical books normally, right? That's not, it's not like they're discontinuing them or anything. They're just right. using But they are their... putting the price up by That's like right. 10% or something. Or they did bring the price up and they're basically forcing you, if you're going to purchase from their site, that it, it's, you're going to digital. And right. I am curious, especially, you know, folks in the chat, let us know how you feel about this, because I I think there's going to be a camp of people that are very, you know, there's there's some of us who love the physical things because we collect them right. or because right. we don't trust the government. And like, I just want my physical, if I paid for it, I'm going to have my physical copy. Like there's, right. there's that camp that I think will really not like this. But and I that's think, reasonable, isn't it? Don't you right. Think? I'm in that camp <laughs> because Absolutely. I like my physical yeah. stuff. But what's funny is, um, you know, when Netflix, I don't know if you remember this, but so Netflix, when they had, all you could do was get DVDs from them. And then right. they had made an announcement that they were moving away from DVDs to digital. And right. there was this uproar. And everybody was like, what? You can't do that. And guess what? They did it. They just didn't do it like right then. They they changed everything up and they guess what? We're all watching Netflix. It's all digital. We don't get DVDs right. anymore from them. That's and yeah. we like it. I'm pretty sure those, we like it. <laughs> that's right. All those poor companies that were producing DVD players and, and yeah. discs and such. It'll probably went out of business. All those poor old <laughs> You know, um, the video outlets, the video stores we used to go to and hire tapes and cassettes and discs and all games. Of that. And they're all gone. Yeah. But hey. I mean, I remember when we had, you know, all our Disney VHS tapes and then we had to get rid of them because we had to get all the DVDs. And then we got rid of those right. because we had to get all the Blu-rays. And now we just have the digital and it's great. We haven't had, so far, we haven't had to change that format. We're still just purchasing things digitally. Right. And I right. think people nowadays in, enjoy that. You get it instantly. You have it all the time as long as you have that whatever uh, uh, console or whatever it is that you're using to purchase right. it. Um, I don't know. So I'm I'm curious to see how this shakes out because I feel like there's going to be a bunch of like the people who are grumbling about it that eventually will come around like the Netflix folks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they've got all Absolutely. the digital dice, the digital, they're doing digital maps and digital minis, and now you're just going to get your books digitally. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it also, you know, the thing with D&D Beyond is, um, well, first of all, they're building their new 3D tabletop mm -hmm. at the moment. I think and it's I don't their, know their VTT. Right, their VTT. And it's, whether that's going to be part of D&D Beyond, whether it's going to replace D&D Beyond, I really hope it doesn't because D&D Beyond is just fine the way it is. Thank you very much. Yes. And 
more importantly, from my point of view, I've been messing around with um, the above VTT, which was built by some of the developers from D&D Beyond who did it as a personal side project, and they released it as an open source plugin for D&D Beyond, and it works, and it's fucking great, and it's probably the best VTT for D&D, at least for D&D Beyond, that I've ever seen. I really like it. Um, and is D&D, is, are wizards going to scrap that, force them to close it and take over so they can have their 3D real, what is yeah. it called, Unreal Engine, blah, 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 thingy that you can only run on your gaming computer um, yeah. full of microtransactions and so forth? Um, you know, because the, the above VTT is really nice and clean and it really works really well. We don't need this nonsense. And I, I really object to it honestly but anyway that's just my point of view yeah that's the thing is i do have trouble with not necessarily the microtransactions but just D, &D is so accessible as long as you know you have like the player's handbook and the and the the dungeon master's guide you know you right. can just do it on pen and paper and it's free and anybody can do it right. and like now we're getting to a point where and I'm, I'm pretty sure we've kind of covered some of this stuff in previous episodes but yeah we're getting to a point where you have to have a good computer which is not right. cheap you have to have right. online access that's not cheap you know <laughs> yeah not everyone can have that i mean i used to play in papua new guinea where i was raised and we you know first of all we only had a couple of books we didn't have access to any stores at all you couldn't mm -hmm. order the books and so we only had a few of them. And then when we got sick of that stuff, we made our own shit. We created our own games. We wrote our own role-playing games and did our own thing. And it feels to me like Wizard of the Coast is trying to brainwash everybody into thinking that you absolutely need the system in order to do any role-playing. Yeah. And it's just wrong. Yeah. So It's anyway. the uh, keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing, but with technology, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's competitive sort of business, yeah. I have, Don't you know, like it. I have a really hard time with digital dice, though. Like, of all the things for D and D that's digital, I think it's because I'm such a dice goblin. I just, I, I, I don't know. I can't. I can't. My brain can't fathom paying money and not having physical clickety clacks in my hand to roll, right. and they right. only live in my computer. I, I refuse. I would <laughs> never pay for digital dice and i barely even buy actual dice i mean i i bought one packet of metal dice here um that cost me 50 odd dollars you know a while ago mm. and, and they're, they're nice but they're really Those fucking nice. hard to read yeah and, but this one's really heavy and i do like that about them and avery our dear friend avery gave me this beautiful set of golden hollow golden dice Ooh. that he um, touched up for us and they are fantastic. They apparently rolled really shitty for him, but they roll amazingly for me. I roll natural twenties <laughs> on these things all the time. He hates nice. it. So, yeah, I mean, I love the, these dice, but I would not go out and buy a packet of dice, not for anyone. I've got dice. I don't need any more dice. I mean, you can. You, it's 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 a weird obsession oh, that I don't man. understand. I I, I kind of get it. They're like little magic tokens yeah. kind of thing, but. I don't know. For me, it's they like um, random numbers. It, they're like collectibles. Like you know, they make yeah. them now with the yeah. the liquid core. So it's it's like a, yeah. it's like Pokemon. I gotta get them all. I gotta if I gotta have yeah. a liquid core set. I gotta have the kind that has little baby mushrooms inside of them because. What do you do once you've got them? I just keep them and I look at them and I'm happy. Right. So for me, I mean, I, I go out, I mean, obviously, I run a lot of games, so I see a lot of players, and a lot of players have lots and lots and lots of dice. 
I get to see them mm-hmm. all the time. So I just go and look at other. You just live dice vicariously dice. through them. I don't have doing. to pay for them. I can pick them up and play with other people's dice if I want to. But, yeah. You know. Anyway. Oh yeah. No, I've got a whole like my next character that I'm gonna play because the the camp which we're gonna get to with weekend games, but the campaign that I play in is yep. supposedly gonna be ending soon, and so I've got a whole like wish list of dice. That are right. like suited to this new character that I'm. I'm just waiting to purchase until it's time, because there's Don't no point in purchasing them. them now. I'll wait. Yep. <laughs> but I really want to buy them now. So. Fair enough. Anyway, yeah, yeah, actually, that's a great lead-in. Unless you have any other nerd news, that's a great lead-in to your weekend games. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, weekend games. What have I been up to? Well, um, last night we played. The Burning Path and our wonderful adventurers uh, got on a ship and um, they're off to go and try and sink a Barakyle Envoy wizard ship of their own, which is going to be interesting for them because they've kind of they've kind of got a plan. They arrived on an island at the end of the mission or the end of the session, rather. They haven't actually got to the ship yet um, where they are going to try and lure this Barakyle wizard envoy boat to them by putting out a distress smoke signal. But as they arrived there, they got attacked by a giant crab, which they were kind of suspecting was going to happen. But it didn't take the paladin out twice, um, despite being a challenge level that was, it wasn't a deadly encounter. It was a fair encounter, actually. Mm-hmm. But um, I rolled ridiculously high numbers with my... With that really good dice? <laughs> actually, with my digital dice. Oh. <laughs> but just the standard D&D Beyond ones, none of them fancy ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was interesting. Um, what else is going on? Uh, we had the week off on Vampire the Masquerade. I think we had like three players sick this week, so we just Ugh. paused it for a week. Um, what else have we got? Sunfall on Wednesday night. Oh, like, so they're in the middle of a, of a, of a crypt, and they've been fighting. Oh, this was great. This was fantastic. Oh, I Avery, can't wait I to hear this now. He <laughs> so... Um, I, <laughs> the party come up against this this red wizard of the Barakyle envoy in this in this crypt for whatever reasons it doesn't really matter but they're all like yeah yeah we're gonna kill this guy we're up you know we've, they've already killed like a an apprentice a bunch of guards a stone golem wow. using their earth elemental where they did that the previous session and then they come up against this guy on oh, the fought and fought a bunch of zombies too. And this this wizard comes out and takes Avery's character and casts Gaius on them and turns him into his basically his uh, ally. And so Avery <laughs> I am actually he, very familiar with this spell, and now I will right? tell you a story when this is done. It was fucking hilarious. So Avery, um, he at first he was really reticent to sort of play his character against the party. Um because, you know, he, he was really kind of concerned that everyone was going to hate him for it. And um, everybody sort of was really kind. And they were like, no, no you just got to play your character. You got to do what you what you got to do. We don't mind. Even if we die, you, you're playing your character. It's, you know, blah, blah. And over the course of the adventure of the session, he got more and more into it until he started enjoying it. And I saw this transition in him as he as he went from, like, absolutely hating this scenario until he sort of was actually quite excited about it and and i think he was having fun (laughs) so that was cool that's awesome so 
Yeah, that was that was great fun. And and Gaius, what a spell that is, hey? Oh yeah. So I love that who is this? This was Avery? That you could, Avery. that you could see as the DM see the moment when like Avery's like leaning into this and now really enjoying yeah. it. That's so yeah. rewarding, I think, as a DM. But yeah. um so my my players, I have a cleric who's a, a Tempest domain cleric. Uh okay. And he has chosen to kind of play his character like very devout, dumb devout, right? Like just following because the, the need to follow. And right. his deity is actually like, in my world, his deity is like what, what we call one of the ascended. Um, originally, there were only two goddesses. And then mm -hmm. that's what caused the calamity. And out of the calamity, 10 individuals that fought in the calamity were ascended into the next set of gods and then from there the right. the deities grew you know and there were more but his deity is one of the ascended and sort of like elder gods type yeah <laughs> but due to the fact she was her this goddess was very instrumental in the downfall of the two you know or, or in the calamity and so right. because of that like I wouldn't say her name was stricken from the record, but just there's been a lot of history that I, I'm not going to get into deep in the weeds about that. But there's a lot of history right. with this with this deity. And because because the her, her followers tend to go mad now, um, her name's kind of just been stricken from the record. Followers are kind of like, like, I don't know if we're going to trust you or follow you or, right. you know. And so he has kind of played his character like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little crazy, but I am devout as fuck and I'm going to spread the word and I want people to know about her. And right. so for those of you who aren't familiar with this spell, Gius, you I'm going to read this. You place a magical command on a creature that you can see within range, forcing it to carry out some service or refrain from some action or course of activity as you decide. If the creature can mm -hmm. understand you, it must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or become charmed by you for the duration. While the creature right. is charmed by you, it takes psychic damage each time it acts in a manner that's counter to your instructions, but no more than once a day. A creature that can't understand you is unaffected by the spell. And I'm going right. to keep reading. You can issue any command you choose short of an activity that would result in certain death. Should you issue a suicidal command, the spell ends and so on and so forth. Okay. Yeah. But basically, he has been using this spell to kind of create a cult following, if you will, like wherever uh -huh. they travel, the inn, you know, whatever inn they stay at, the, the inn, right. the tavern owner, he casts it on them and spreads the word of Zeboim and you will love Zeboim. And like, so right. I have had to keep a tally of every single person that he is geese oh, <laughs> because you know D and D time is wonky right so like we've been playing yeah, for years yeah. but it's maybe not even a month yet so right right there's all these people that are all of a sudden coming out of the woodworks going yeah i love this goddess like right <laughs> even though everyone else is like she's crazy <laughs> you don't want to follow her so it's just it's it's played a really interesting um it's done some interesting things to my world that they haven't quite seen the effect, the full effect of yet. So right. it's, it's a great spell. I love that he, he's just wiping out, he's brainwashing everyone. 
So that's great. I that's great. It. I mean, that's what it's for. And, yeah. um, and what's interesting for my players is they're like, hmm, so these red wizards actually have this spell up their sleeves. Yeah. So this is yet another way that they might well have been controlling the general population and various other people. Right. So, yeah. And All you know what game. else? Okay, yeah. so I'm going to take this a little bit further. So my players, mm -hmm. I, I think I might have talked about this somewhere in a pri prior episode or in our chat, but they have pretty much adopted like a 10-year-old girl into their party. So as a DM, I'm literally having to play this 10-year-old NPC all the time with them because they refuse to get rid right. of her. And right. at one point, um, this the guy that I told you about, he's geest her to believe in Zebuim <laughs> as well. But right. before that happened, so th there's um, my other player, she's a rogue. She plays a male rogue. She's an old man, though. She plays an old right. man. So oh, this cool. this old man has taken this little girl under his wing to say, like, I'm going to teach you how to do rogue stuff, and right. you're going to be like my little apprentice. Well, then the other guy comes in and geases her to say, well, but I want you to believe in my goddess. And so it's almost like they're doing like this parental, like um, competition or. Yeah. Parental competition of like, no, this kid, belong this kid is going to be my protege. No, this kid's going to be my protege. Right. Right. And uh, at one point he did a divine intervention and it actually, and it, and it worked. he was, so he was in his bedroom and he was doing he was trying to cast some kind of spell and create like a little um shrine in his room and he right. wanted to understand like kind of this thing about this plot that he he wanted to know and so he cast divine intervention and the girl ended up being in his room with him because he was like i want you to see this shrine that i made and then he cast divine intervention and it worked and so right. i was like oh no so this uh -oh. is where the, the turning point happened with this little girl character because up until this point, the rogue had been taking full responsibility for this 10-year-old. And so whenever right. whenever we leveled up, I would level her up as a rogue because that's his pro her protege. But right, then that yeah. divine intervention happened, plus the geese right before. And I was like, oh, no. Okay, now she's got to take a level in cleric. And from this point, every time you guys level, you two will duke it out to see how this character how i level up this npc right. that i gotta play until the end of the campaign so great. it is so fun it's like a custody battle that i'm having to D, &D. <laughs> it is so <laughs> it's so right. wild but um sense. but they refuse to get rid of her so i don't know it's right. kind of fun i kind of get to play and dm at the same time I don't have as quite a complex situation, but we do have a that our party. One of one of in the Vangate Chronicles, they they came across this ten year old, or he appeared to be a ten year old drow boy um, living under a bridge in the Underdark, who turns out to be the abandoned and exiled son of the matriarch of Abnogur, and they took him on, and they've so been he's a prince. He's literally a prince, but he's he's been thrown out of, of okay. the matriarchal society basically because he's a boy and he represents problems to their matriarch matriarchy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they they sort of took him on board, and so his name is Zim, 
So Zim is always kind of in the backs of their mind and the matriarchy have tried to track him down and they've said monsters after him, you know, uh, what are they called? Those nasty dragoliths, I think they're called, the drow yeah. demons that they summon. That so, good. yeah, all fun and games, but not nothing quite like what you're describing with a custody battle. Um, yeah. <laughs> various party members have tried to train him and, and he's learned a lot, but it's, it's not a... It's not really a custody battle. I think they sort of share custody, although mostly it's Adric who, you see, Adric lost his child. Um, he's a, this dwarf, and there's uh, this curse upon the dwarves of the Banakaya um, where they're, they're very low fertility. And oh. so he, he had a child, and it was born as stone as part of the curse. Oh, wow. And so, um, yeah, that, that, yeah, anyway, that's a whole other story that leads to some very interesting stuff. But I'm not going to go there because I don't want to bore your pants off. <laughs> I was going to say, we got time. You can go in there. <laughs> well, I mean, we did have a really awesome episode where they went back to his um, home city in the Underdark. Um, and he decided, uh, for whatever reason, that he was going to try and break into the tomb where his baby child was kept, where his stone child was kept. Um, and he did this against all orders and everything. And in doing so, he also put on this artifact called the Mask of Moradin, which partly confirmed him as the avatar of Moradin. But the problem with wow. the curse of this this mask, the Mask of Moradin is cursed so that anyone who wears it, yes, on the one hand, they may become the avatar of Moradin, but on the other hand, um, they their name and everything about them is forgotten to the dwarven race. Mm-hmm. So when he came back out of the tomb, having found his child, and after Dumathoin, the god of death of the dwarves, had restored his child back to life in the tomb, because we, we role-played through that whole thing, and we all cried, and it was oh, very man. sad, powerful stuff. And he comes out with this baby, and he hands it over to his wife, and his wife recognizes the child, but she doesn't recognize her husband, who she hasn't seen for like several years, and they'd just sort oh, of wow. been together the previous night. He had returned and been together <clears> with her, and then he'd gone off to the tomb and come back with the baby, but he'd worn the mask, and now everyone's forgotten who he is. So the baby will grow up without its father, with nobody in his wow. village knowing who he is, and it was just sad. It was We all cried. It was a really wow. hard sequence, yeah. That's wild. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty cool. It was uh, one of the best role-playing sequences we've done, I think. Um, yeah, kudos, yeah. man. That sounds Agreed. that sounds good. I would want to play through. I mean, as, as sad as that is, you know, yeah. I would want to play through something that's that deep. It was it was deep. Yeah. And it was in the dark, so it was especially deep. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so I wanted to ask you, do we have a uh, Russell's unsolicited opinion on everything? Opinion on anything. Um, well, mm, I, I, I kind of thought of something and I kind of want to talk about it, but I don't think now is the time. I okay. think I'll hold off on that till I've had a better chance to think about the ramifications of my discussion on this matter. I have a habit of being overly opinionated on certain things sometimes mm -hmm. and i don't want to blow my opportunity to do this right so what so. you're saying is we're going to get your unsolicited but pro uh what's the word i'm thinking of uh not procured but um 
there's a word I'm curated. Your curated, curated opinion. <laughs> right, right. Sooner or later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think right. so. But um, for now, I, I don't. I got nothing. Well. Nothing. See, here's where we're in a conundrum. And maybe this is just going to be a short episode because it's the week of 4th of July here in the U.S. But So we can make it a short episode. But this is about the time where we would take a break. Um, and we're about 36 minutes in. So probably we'll just go ahead and take a break. And then after the break, uh, after we the will break. be talking about currencies, uh, which is our topic for tonight. Uh, yeah. What do you do with currencies in your game? This is going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And then after that, we're going to do some weekly world building and we're going to world build some currencies. So this is something I've never yeah. actually done before. World ah. world build currencies. So I'm really interested in, in doing right. this exercise. Um, so okay, folks, everyone, Strap in because uh, we are featuring a music video by Black Rose for the break. Uh, it's very heavy, very, uh, I love it. Um, and then we also have our deception checks, which are always a lot of fun, featuring our own voice actors and our CEO from Dungeon Studios. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So everybody, enjoy. Please come back after the break so that you can be a part of our discussion and help us world build some currencies. All right. Right. See you soon. All right. We'll see you soon. Who are you? What do you think you're doing here? Ships, you say? Well, sure, there's wrecked ships all over these icebergs. And yes, we may have had a hand in it, but I assure you it is all for a good cause. It is all to feed the demon of the icebergs, of course. It is our holy duty to do so. And although it may come at a cost, well, for those other people, we have been entrusted with this task and shall see it done by whatever means necessary. Thinking to stop us? <laughs> Good luck. Oh no, not because of us, because of the demon itself. Oh, <laughs> do you feel that? <laughs> now you've done it. She must be waking. And I bet she's hungry. Travel to the frigid setting of the Guardian Icebergs and more unique settings from the world of Veneron. Follow our socials to keep up to date on all upcoming projects. Have all the mind players come to light Tentacle faith in psionic flight Harvest the patrons accrue It's time to hide or suck out your mind High intellect, what do they have to gain? Illithid servants, the elder brain Calling the weak that they find Like time to hide or suck out your mind to the way your mind is played right there before me I'm an aberration creeping in the underdark Just looking, I share everything with elder brain We speak with telepathy, lawful evil Eat your brain, I drop your HP down to nothing Show me what's inside your mind Behind that pretty face I can't dominate monsters, but they take once a day And you can lead your bodies to me Make them wish they fled I'm in the heads inciting dread And now they're wondering Wondering
Hey there, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. What can we do for you? Hey, I'm Vic. Uh, Vic Mascatoni. And uh, my crew and I, we got us a heist up there at old Aldor's place in a couple of nights. Now, uh... Right. We're trying to slay the dragon on this one, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, what I need is a, a few high-quality lockpicks, you know. None of that uh, cheap crap that you sell the commoners. Uh, what's a rogue got to do to get a good lockpick? What do you got for me? Ah. Uh well, we don't sell parts, but if you're needing help getting into something, we can send a technician out. Ooh, that's even better. So I tell you what, you send them up to Aldor's, right? You bring the lockpicks, right? We'll cut you guys in on the heist. We'll do it uh, 50-50. All right. Um, is this heist in a car, a house, whatever? Uh, it's up at old Aldor's place. He's he's sitting on a, on a on a mountain of gold up there, and we just need to get in there and fill up our bags with as much of that gold as we can. You know what I mean? But, uh, you bring your lockpicks, you show up, we'll split it. 60-40. I'm not sure our insurance would cover us sending our technicians. I tell you what, I'll slide you 2500 up front. Nobody's got to know nothing, you come with the picks. Well, I'm not the technician, I'm just the dispatcher. Well, get me to the technician, he might, might want to make 2500 Um, okay, what's the address? And that's going to be up at... Way... Okay. In which city? Uh, what are we calling here? We're calling Portland, right? Yeah, it's gonna be in Portland. Yeah. You said way? That's correct. This is exactly how it sounds, ma'am. Yeah. All right. Is there a business nearby? I'm not able to pull that address up. Uh, well, you wouldn't be able to pull it up because it's uh, old Aldor's place, and uh, he keeps it under tight lock and key. Why? We need the picks. I don't think we'd be able to assist. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll go on down there to the next locksmith and see if they want to make some money. You have a good night, huh? You Yeah.
Hello there, adventurer. I see your interest in the vast wealth of knowledge I've acquired and stored over the years. That's fantastic. Come in out of the sand and the sun. Take a look around. It's not every day such an interesting and willing group of uh, guests stumble upon my library. Feel free to explore. It's been years since the last group came through here, and they looked much less promising than you. I'm sure you'll find all sorts of interesting things if you know where to look. But be warned, this library holds more than just books and scrolls. And only the worthy are allowed to leave with the knowledge that they find. So I suppose the real question is, do you have what it takes to impress me? over the break what did you realize over the break i forgot to tell everyone that if you enjoy listening to us chatter about right. D, about new nerd news uh yeah. everything <laughs> please All that stuff. like our show share our show with your friends with your groups uh spread the word because we're a joy to listen to i think <laughs> Well, I think so. I think we're, we're a joy to listen to. That's right. Yeah. Especially so, you, probably, more so than I am. Uh, well, you know what that is? It's, I think it's just because I smile and laugh a lot. <laughs> anyway. you know, I that's frown and, and make faces. Well, I've been told by my friends that um, it's just like this instinctual thing I do in response to almost anything, even if I don't necessarily find it funny. I just will laugh like 
I don't know why I do it, but, um, so yeah, <laughs> that's just that. But anyway, folks, yes, please, uh, like, and share, uh, come find us on all our socials. Uh, we're trying to grow on our presence on YouTube. Uh, when we post our podcasts, uh, you can find them on all the podcasting platforms. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is not as smooth as I would like it to be, but there's that. So anyway, <laughs> all right, let's move into our topic because I am really excited to talk about this. Um, right. We're going to talk about currencies in tabletop role-playing games and or mm -hmm. D&D. And right. uh, I thought we should at least start off with the basics for anyone yep. who's not familiar with them, right? So, yeah, for sure. yeah. or just for newbies or new DMs, baby DMs, but uh, the standard currency across the board seems to be uh, copper, silver, electrum ish, gold, and platinum, right? Now, yeah. this is the thing that I think a lot of people have trouble with is the conversion rates of all of these, this coin, right? Because, <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm sure people understand you play D&D, you get loot and you can get odd amounts of like copper and silver and gold. And it's like, but how much money do you really have, right? <laughs> so the way it was explained to me, the way that I understand it is 10 copper make a silver, 10 silver make a gold, 10 gold make a platinum. And that has made it super easy for me to remember. Electrum is the one that's the oddball because it's only worth like five of something. I'm trying to remember. It's like five copper make a silver. Is that it? We have the conversion thing. Five here. copper, uh, no, no, ten, 10 copper make a silver. Um, five I'm sorry, five copper make an electrum. Or no, wait, what is it? Five electrum makes a gold. That's that's the confusing one. That's it's the electrum. See, it is gold. for this reason that electrum like is banned in the game a that I play in. A lot of people ban electrum. Yeah. yeah, and and I don't use Electrum either. It's just hard to remember the conversion rates. You're a little blurry, it is. Russell. It is, and it's it's great for fucking with people. Oh, and blurry? Hmm. Mm, just a bit. Um, is that fixing itself at this point? It might. Maybe no, if you sit back. But yeah, my mm, uh, my yeah. my DM will usually threaten us. Like if we start asking about Electrum, he'll just threaten us right. with like TPKs and stuff because he's like, no, right. never. Right. <laughs> a lot of people hate Electrum. I use Electrum in my game, but it's a it's the currency of the ancient elves. Right. And so if you find electric Electrum pieces, um, well, actually, no, the elves still use it, but it is an ancient currency. Um, but occasionally, I've got this thing where. You, you'll find it on people that you wouldn't expect to find it on. And it's kind of a clue to suggest that those people are being paid off by the elves. Uh, or that they have some association with the elves. Right. And people that yeah. you wouldn't expect to be getting, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's part of that whole, you know, mystery drama that we were sort of puzzles and things we were talking about. Why do these orcs have this currency? Aren't right. these supposed to be the bad guys that hate the elves? Hmm. Mm, yeah, and What's then there's a mystery to solve. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's uh, the standard, I guess, for D&D &D lore. And then right. I would say across the board, I mean, I think even D&D &D Beyond kind of pushes this, that your standard um, for any value is always gold. You know, this is worth right. this much gold. You're, this piece of art that you right. found is worth right. this much gold. This shield you want to buy right. is 10 gold. You know, yeah. they everything kind of is priced in gold. 
So right. that would it's be like standard your... currency. Everything else is kind of set around that. Right, right. Like it's yeah. the dollar, and then everything is yeah. the coinage. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. That's generally the way I think it works too. Right. Um, but I mean, it's funny though because gold is is actually a really expensive currency. I mean, in, at least in my game, a gold piece um, would keep a peasant alive for a month. Oh wow. You know, a gold yeah. gold piece is a huge amount of money, and and it is. if you lived on the streets and you ate, you know, insects on a stick or something, you know, from a street vendor, you could survive quite a long time on gold. Yeah, on a on a gold piece, you know, <laughs> silver is what most people pay for stuff with. Mm -hmm. um, to be fair, but you know, that's that's in my game. How does it work for you? Well, I've been kind of sticking with the you know, gold is the standard, but after doing the research for this for this show. I have really put a lot of thought into how I'm going to do this moving forward because I do think that there there is a lot like you said you can use currency to add depth into your world where there's there's right. lore around it and now there's yeah. mystery if this show you know like there's a lot you can right. do with currency that I'd not yeah. really considered before right. so I think I'm going to be changing things up right now it's just vanilla and everything's gold but that's going right. to change well, I've, I've got two whole different sets of currency I'd like to talk about today. One is my currency for Sidariel, which is my D&D &D campaign. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is a whole other set of currency I designed for my far future science fiction campaign, okay. um, which I haven't yet played yet, to be honest, but um, it's, it's in the works and has been for a very long time. Cool. Yeah, so, I can't wait to hear about this uh, when we get when, to like the homebrew yeah, section. When yeah, when we get to that, we'll talk about that then. So yeah, yeah. cool. But right. uh, okay, well, so so just so you have the basics of or the basic understanding of currency. Now, right. if you want to give it a little flavor without changing just the currency, right. you can just give like certain denominations, like different physical descriptions. You know, like, uh, yeah, it's silver, but it's not just like a flattened piece of right. silver. Is there, you know, some kind of image on one side, on both sides, right. you know? Um, you I have a hole drilled through it so you can hang it on strings around your neck. Exactly. You know, and then what would be the reason for that? Like, why do you have to have it strung right. up and put around your neck? Is there something right. about that society that like they need to carry their money around their right. necks i don't know and i was i was born in papua new guinea and i was raised largely over there and historically the papua new guinean currency is called kina and that's based on the kina shell because ancient papua new guinean people used kina shells as currency and you will find kina shells all the way up into the highlands of papua new guinea where the people don't even see the sea wow right? So they're spread across the whole country because these shells were their trade currency. It was currency. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. And that's, uh, yes, I mean, definitely take inspiration from the real world for sure. Yeah. Um, but even just uh, not only physical descriptions, but what they're called, right? Like, um, you know, maybe regionally silver pieces are called, I don't know, we're just going to say dime because it's silver. You know, right. this region calls it a dime, but over in this region, they call silver pieces something else because right. it's got their queen's image on it or something you know maybe it's right, right it's called a royal dollar i don't know whatever right. <laughs> I mean, it's, there's lots of historical words like crowns marks mm -hmm. um what else have they got uh 
obviously pieces. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all that sort of stuff. And you, and you can look, look them up. Just go onto Google and type in ancient currencies and you'll get lists of them. And there's some great names you can use for your currencies. Yeah. And then you yeah. can even make some of them like special pieces like you know we have we have certain like silver dollars that are they're very special and and they're so we could you could name certain gold pieces the gold double gold double eagle because it was minted in this area and it's super special because it was minted in this area with two eagles on each side and i don't know so you can take standard currency and just give it a little bit of extra flavor and that's it. And and you've you've already done so much to like add to your world already. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some examples. Okay, so I found out because um, these were really interesting. The, in Forgotten Realms, they yeah. have uh, Sembia replaces a copper piece with square iron steel pence is what they're called instead of copper right. square iron right. steel pence. Um, right. They have triangular silver pieces called ravens. They have diamond-shaped electrum pieces called harmarks or blue eyes, which I guess I'm curious. Like, are all their elves blue-eyed? Like, I don't know. That's that's interesting. Why do they call them blue eyes? Um, five-sided gold pieces are called nobles. So, yeah, just getting, you know, just from regular lore already, D&D lore, you can see the kind of depth that they've built into the currency just by right. calling them something different. Right, and it's immersive to use those terms. Yeah, you know, or, especially when in game when you're role playing with the bartender or or whatever, you know. Right, um, and then this is the other one. So Sembia doesn't mint platinum pieces, though they will accept all coinage. So that's another thing you can do in your world is you still have the standard currency, but what if certain mm-hmm. places just don't? They just right. don't take platinum, or right. yeah. you know, I don't I don't work with copper. That's beneath me. Like we're not going to well, take copper pieces. Right. And, and also things like platinum are really expensive. And, you know, you walk, you, you go to up to a street vendor to buy a um, an insect on a stick and you hand them a platinum piece. Now, they, they <laughs> yeah. don't have how are we going to break that? Yeah. <laughs> right. They don't have change for that. So how are you going to break that? You need to go to some sort of money changer. And this this brings in ideas of things like banks, money changes and so on and so forth. I mean, in my world, they don't even have banks. You have to go to a temple. Um to do, to do that type of thing or certain other individuals might be able to do it. But on an individual small scale basis, there's no big chase bank network, you know? Right. You know, that's actually, yeah, that's really interesting. Cause I've not thought about that. I haven't even put in my game. We don't have a banking system, but like if you play the Witcher video games, like they have banks, like that makes right. a lot of sense. There should be banks. Right. Well, curiously, I mean, historically, it was the Knights Templar, as far as I'm aware, back in like 1307 through for about 200 years when they were at their height of their power. They were the first proper banking system where you could go to them to one of their temples in, say, Jerusalem and give them a bunch of money and they'd give you a piece of paper with a seal on it. And you could take that piece of paper and its seal all the way to Paris and hand it in and they would give you money and so they were the first sort of banking system and that made them very unpopular in the long run which is pretty much why they were destroyed in the end right um but yeah people owed them a lot of money ah so yeah it's it's a great way you know currency brings in all sorts of other ideas like of course loans and Mm -hmm. economies and you know all of that financial garbage and 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 verbiage verbiage words lots of words (laughs) I think you can say yeah. verbiage or verbiage. Mm. 
I think both are acceptable. Verbal verbiage of blah. Anyway, please continue <laughs> with your with your okay. research. It's fascinating. So so then I started thinking, okay, just to kind of really cement this in a newbie's mind, let's say, um, mm -hmm. I wanted to look at other sources of media and fiction like what did they do do with their currencies so harry potter's really popular and they use bronze silver and gold but they call them nuts or knuts i you know, honestly i have to watch the movies because i can't remember if they called them knuts or nuts um right. but it's spelled with a k k-n-u-t-s right. sickles and galleons i remember them saying right. galleons so right. you know again real a really simple change but right. that's world building right there. Um, yeah. Star Wars and Star Trek, they use credits, right? Yep. So a lot that, of people use credits, a lot of science fiction. Is all the sci-fi stuff use credits or chits or something like that. Science fiction doesn't. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, Waterworld, if you watch that movie Waterworld, like dirt was a currency, right. you know, because right. there's right. no land. Um, there was a game um, by Gary Gygax, uh, Mythos, I've got it on my shelf, in fact, uh, where they use a, th a currency called the base unit currency. And it's there in the words, they use the word buck to stand for base unit currency. Oh. So everything's in bucks. Oh, I so love that's, that. That's kind of interesting, right? That's a really great play on words. I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah Helen says doubloons. Yes, you can totally do doubloons. <laughs> <laughs> doubloons. What's doubloons from, Helen? I, I, isn't buck, it like um, pirate? Pirate um, money, doubloons. Pirate money. I thought. <laughs> got me there. Somebody about. tell us. Somebody uh, tell us. Tell them. Tell us where doubloons come from. Is that a is that a uh, Harry Potter reference? Um, Legend of Zelda, the game Legend of Zelda, uh, yeah. did rupees. Um, Sonic right. the Hedgehog did rings. You know, so right. anything can be a currency, Arts. and those are just some examples from like you know modern day. So now, with that in mind, I thought, okay, let's talk about if you want to homebrew your currency. Like, you're, you've got your game, and I'm like, nah, I'm too good for gold. Or like, I want to do something different. Um, right. How too do we? Too good for gold. Too good for gold. How do we homebrew currency? So right. I thought, first of all, let's consider the region and the locale where the money is made. Right? right. Not just where you spend it. But where right. where's this money getting made? I've never thought Who's about that in my it? game. Who's making it? Is it right. the dwarves? Is it the mm. elves? Is it everybody? They're making their own type of money. Mm. Does you know, everybody you... use the same currency or does every little kingdom have their own coinage? Right. Like that's really important to think of. Um, is you know, what's the standard currency that probably mm. like the common currency, but then maybe regionally, yeah, they have a little bit of their own that they spend within their own communities. Um Maybe they right. just trade. Maybe trade is their currency locally, right. but then they spend money outside of their area. Right. So there's that to consider. Uh, what's it made of, right? Like depending on where it's made, they probably are using whatever resources they have. Right. And what about alloys? It. We never well, talked about alloys either. I mean, modern currency is generally made out of alloys. We don't make true. anything out of one thing anymore. That's true. Know? Yeah. I, you know, I hadn't thought about that because with, you know, I just think, you know, medieval, it's like, oh, this is just copper. This is just right. silver. But yeah, right. you could totally make an alloy. That would be interesting. That would be right. a very and, special coinage. And also we've got um, potential for magical currencies in a, in a D&D &D game. This um, is true. We have metals like mithril and adamantite. 
mm-hmm. um, or adamantium or whatever the fuck that shit's called. You know, that's you know, true. I mean, you get all kinds of weapons and armor made out of it, but no one has made coinage out of Coins. it. Coins, right. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Makes perfect, makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. So what what's the currency made of? Uh, and mm-hmm. then what's the currency worth? If you're going to homebrew currency, you got to think about those exchange rates and right. what what it's worth to people. Is it worth the same in all areas or is it worth right. less? It Like, you know, the exchange rate. If I go to New Zealand, what's my money going right. to be like there or not? You well, know? it'll be worth a lot more here, to be <laughs> yeah. fair. You know, you can <laughs> you can pay for one of my role-playing games. One session in New Zealand will cost you almost almost 30 New Zealand dollars. But for an American playing on Zoom with me, you can get away with about 15 to 20 American dollars. Ooh, that is good cheaper. marketing. Why aren't you marketing yeah. more in the U.S.? <laughs> right. Well, because oh. our time zones suck, but that's that's that you that's know I, I can stay up at all hours to run games for you if you want. Yeah. So you know, sing well, out. Good to know, folks. Everyone, good to know. U.S. dollars go a lot yeah. more with Russell. <laughs> well, I mean, this is also why Lord of the Rings was made in New Zealand. You know, a lot oh. of TV shows and movies get made here because our currency is worth nothing. I you know, didn't think about that. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, so yeah, that's something to consider when it comes to building your currency. Like what's it worth in various regions and, right. you know, the materials and the rarity, like if, is it, is it an, a material that's in abundance? So you can make right. a lot inflation. of it. Or is it yeah. Inflation. Um, is your currency, are there any collectible coins like yeah. what we have now or, you know yeah yeah Yeah. well i mean another interesting historical fact i mean as far as i know it was the chinese that were the first people to invent paper currency and it was marco polo who went to china and went hey what the fuck is this shit and he went back and said hey i've got a good idea everyone went yeah let's do paper currency (laughs) we don't want to carry around huge bags of gold that's ridiculous right yeah so that's another thing to consider is what does your currency weigh Right. Right. So in the game that I play in encumbrance (laughs) in the game that I play in, our DM said at one point, he said, you all need to come together and decide what you're going to spend your money on, because you cannot be walking around with this much money. You need to find a way to store it. You need to find a way to spend it, to get rid of it, whatever it is. But you guys need to talk about it. And we eventually decided we were going to invest it and created our own airship business that that is making us money as we're out adventuring but that was that's a whole nother thing but consider how much your money weighs and is it feasible to be carrying around that much when you walk around what do people do if you're rich you know where do they store that money what do they do with it (laughs) right i recently had a group of players um come across i mean they my players come across a lot of money actually and they, the thing is, money is. I give them a lot of money, but it's hard to spend. It's, mm. it's hard to find things that are worth spending it on, you know, because I don't, right. I don't hand out. We don't have magic shops and shit like that. So recently, they buried a pile of money. You know, Ooh. that was that was an interesting thing to do. And they they went back, and it was still there. They they you know made them roll some checks to see how well they buried it, and how carefully, and how stealthily, and so on. So I mean, there's there's that. What do you carry money in? I mean, you carry it in a purse or a chest or a bag of holding. Yeah, There's, that's another you know, thing to consider. All these yeah. types of options, you know, animals, pack animals and stuff. You know, are you going to get raided? Do people know you've got all that money? Because they're going to come for you if you're walking down mm-hmm. the street and they happen to know that you are rich. There's going to yeah. be thieves, you know, yeah. bandits. Yeah. You know, the other thing that I that you made me think about um, was 
we at one point we came across a dragon's lair I think we slew the dragon there was there were a couple sessions where I had missed and so I found out later that they went back to the dragon's lair because it was there no dragon there now and there's all this gold all this treasure but we couldn't figure out how to like how are we going to carry this away there's way too much and one of our players ended up coming up with this idea of he had access to a spell where he has a pocket plane and so he basically opened up this pocket plane and they threw in as much stuff as they could into the pocket (laughs) plane and so now we have access to this however because we're in the end game and like people are dying like characters are dying he if he dies like dies dies we no longer have access to that (gasps) money so it's something that's come up in the game a couple times where he's like we need a backup plan or else you all are gonna lose this money if i die like what's the backup plan (laughs) so we haven't we haven't figured it out yet but basically it will be locked out of the bank account is what it is if he dies oh no so something to consider um okay so let's see we talked about uh you know what's it worth how much does it weigh what's yeah. it called in this region and any other region um what you know we've talked about the physical description what does it look like what's the shape the size the identifying marks we talked about coins with holes that can be strong yeah. um you know how do you store all this right. if it's in a weird shape like how is it stored um right. Do you have any traditions? Are there any traditions surrounding this coinage? I've got an interesting story if I can throw that at you. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So in in my campaign world, um, which is originally it was the giants that settled in this world, and they have these massive, huge, enormous gold coins the size of cartwheels. Wow. And they're called Anum Strikes, named after the god Anum, who's the 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 father, the all father of the of the giants. And these are called strikes. So Anum Strikes, these massive huge gold pieces. And once every year the king of the elves brings one of these out of the vault on a wagon and parades it around the city to demonstrate the wealth of the elves. And, it, and then puts it back in the vault. Um, so that's, uh, to me, I thought that was quite a cool thing. This, this that idea is that they a have really whole, cool thing. This tradition based around these ancient giant coins that, you know, no human could carry one. Yeah, um, or spend. <laughs> or spend it, you know. I mean, and they would, they're priceless. You can't even, you wouldn't even know what they're worth. They're just worth whatever you could get for them from whomever you could get it. And then you'd have to transport it to them. You right. Know? So interesting i thought that's anim that strike so cool yes traditions um because you know what's funny i do a lot of on the fly world building sometimes um just because like they'll ask me like oh do we see anything interesting here and i'm like sure you do and i just come up with something and then later i go ooh okay what does that thing mean what did, why did i throw that in there so one time the party was traveling and they were on this very long Um, like Queen's Road, basically, from one kingdom to another kingdom. Very popular, large road. And for some reason that I can't recall, I threw in that there was this weird stump on the side of the road that people have taken coppers and just pounded their coppers into this tree. Kind of like a wishing well, but not. Like, there's just a bunch of coppers on this tree. And so Mm -hmm. it looks very shiny and, and, you know, textured and 
they all thought that this is like something like special and magical and it really wasn't it was just like a landmark but i felt so i almost felt bad that it didn't really mean anything because they wanted it to mean something so bad and i was like no it's just it's just a matter of someone did it once and then someone saw it and decided to copy it and one of your deities might choose to bless that tree and 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 so forth i have a one of my NPCs, Drazale, who's this kind of dwarven gangster who owns this mansion in Vain Gate, the party often work for him doing missions and so on. Whenever they go to his house, I describe how they go through the gate. And outside the front door of the house, there is the statue of Moradin with this bowl of water at the base of it. And anytime a character throws anything from a copper piece to a platinum piece in that bowl of water, I give them inspiration. Interesting. I love it. You know, know, that's a a great idea. And that actually brings me to another point. I mean, we can keep talking and we're going to keep talking about all the different ways you can world build currency. But here's the thing that I think is really important. You could build all of this out. But I think not all of it is going to be important to the story, right? Like not everyone, your party might not care what the shape Mm. of the money is and this history of the money if it doesn't necessarily play it's absolutely about plot. your group, you know. Right. You can totally just use the D and D based currencies and not concern yourself at all with this stuff. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, not that we're saying you have to world build all this stuff into it. It's just, yeah, you know, if it yeah. will add an element to your plot, to the story, to the to your players, to your world, whatever, then do it. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's see. We talked about, you know where are they made? Do they occur naturally? Like the shells that you were talking about. Do people just use shells in this area and they don't have to make them. They just collect them, you know, and spend them. Um, I love your tree idea, by the way. I'm thinking I'm going to steal that. Oh, really? (laughs) Let me know what you do with it. Because mine's just just window dressing for me. So yeah, I would love to know what you do with it. Hmm. Um, Let's see. Uh, we already talked about what's it worth. Is it accepted in all places or not? Um, right. Oh, yeah, that oh, was the other thing. Yeah. If you homebrew your currency, try to keep the values simple. Don't do like, this is worth one gold. 0.25 yeah. blah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make it harder on yourself or your characters cause, or your players because they will not thank you for it. <laughs> So. Yeah, I mean, unless you're trying specifically to do something, um, mm. for example, the, the Orkin currency in my world, Sidariel, is a bit weird, and it does have strange values. And the reason for that is I want it to be difficult to spend and use. Ah, so, see? So it, you there know, is a it's, purpose. Right, there's a point to it. It's not just randomly chosen to make it, you know, j- just to be fun or different. It's There's a point to it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's supposed to be a concern. It's supposed to be something that you have to deal with. So the takeaway from that, folks, is if you don't want your players to do something, make it really difficult. <laughs> I lo- I'm gonna actually gonna use that because <laughs> right. I love that. Oh, right. that's great. Don't um, say no. Just make it hard. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I love that. Yes that's and a yes and yeah exactly. Yes and it's fucking ridiculously hard. So the other thing to consider, this is always, I think, harder for people because we just live in the now a lot. We don't always consider the history of things, but what's the history of your currency? You know, there's there may not have always been gold pieces or maybe gold pieces looked different a thousand years ago than they do now. And they still exist. So you might find some really old 
treasure like does does it look different you got to kind of world build that too um you know did it belong to a completely different empire that no longer exists right if you're doing a you know a futuristic world um think about the fact that there may have been currency before but now we're using credits you know like what happens when you find currency now how is that treated um so the history of the currency is what's you know you want to delve into yeah um Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how much currency weighs. Now, you were talking about dollars, right? Paper money. It's easier to carry. Right, right, and right. so you, especially for rich folks, they're not going to want to necessarily carry 50 pounds worth of stuff. So yeah. maybe make the higher denominations way less yeah. somehow. It's funny to me that you mentioned dollars and, and being paper money because mm-hmm. in New Zealand, a dollar is a coin and oh. a two dollar two dollars is a coin too. Interesting. I don't have any on me, so I'll show you, but Oh (laughs) no. I'll have a quick look, see if I can find one. Yeah, so everyone just think about, you know, in general, fifty coins is roughly one pound. So if you're carrying, you know, a hundred thousand gold, that's a lot of pounds. (laughs) So here's a currency. What? Oh yeah, there it is. (laughs) Yes. What if there is something like that in your world, right. you know? A, magic bank cards. Magic bank, <laughs> yeah. A card of some sort. Even if it's like a little wood token. But this token means right. that right. I have access to the bank of blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I don't know. Right, right. Well, I mean, it's interesting because before before we go too far, I also wanted to – I made a couple of notes on this subject. Um so we, you've talked about racial currencies and uh, obviously empires and races and uh, or species, whichever term you prefer. Mm-hmm. There's also your secret currencies, um, currencies yeah. used by secret societies and so on that might not be obvious to other people. Um, when I was at, no, I'm not going to go down that story that road. Oh, this no. is a terrible story. <laughs> um, I was going to tell you a, a terrible story about when I was a kid. We made our own currency and we used chalk. We used oh. blue chalk. It was, that was what was worth to us. Anyway, that's not important. But you can have cursed currencies. In fact, I have a cursed currency in my world. Nobody's figured it out yet, but it's it's. There. I love it. <laughs> cursed currency. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the magic elements and current. And I didn't right. even put it in my notes. So right. we should definitely it, build that out. I I recently gave a group of players a huge amount of coins, gold coins. They got a thousand gold coins in a chest. But the person that gave it to them gave it to them for a specific project. And told them that they were marked mm. so that you can have marked coins. And the way in which they're marked is magical. You can't tell they're marked unless you cast the light cantrip on them. Ah, um, that's right. So that you can see that they've been marked with the specific ink or what have you. So, yeah, that's that's another interesting angle, I feel. Um, yeah, I mean, think about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first movie, you know, all those coins in the chest. If you take a coin out of that chest, you're cursed. But if you put it back, right. like, because, you're okay. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So. Um, then we have, on, on a sort of a tangentially from, from currencies, we have ideas like tokens, which could be things like uh, in Vain Gate and in Dagdagiel in my world, you can you can be given... Um, messenger tokens and so often oftentimes um, when somebody's when a player is talking to an NPC and they're like how can I contact you this happened last night in fact the this particular noble lady gave them a small bag of messenger tokens they can take them to any messenger in the city 
and that messenger knows where to take it and it's paid for. Yes, right? that's so, so cool. Right, so that's kind of cool. Um, and of course, things like gate passes are possibly tokens too or, or a type of currency. You want to get through certain gates, you need one of these. This will get you through a gate once. Yeah. You know, like a pass, like you go to a, like you go to a fucking amusement park or something. I was going to say like a Chuck E. Cheese and you only have tokens that you can use for those games. Right, right. Yeah. Or, or, or a strip club. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> for that matter, you know, but yeah, same, same basic idea. Yeah. I um, love that idea. Yeah. So I could have like that's... a gam. I have gambling halls in my world, but I had never thought to like, you're right. going to change your money out for just this type of right. token that you're going to spend in the gambling hall. You know, I like you that. Have cursed gambling tokens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we, because if you take the token you... out of the area. Yeah. Well, not only that, somebody gives you a, he, I, I can't pay you any money, but I've got these tokens for the gambling hall. Uh, right. So you take them away and you go to the gambling hall and they're all cursed and you lose all your money at the gambling <laughs> hall because you're using cursed tokens. Yeah. So they don't, they're not worth anything ultimately. Yeah. Anyway, that's just. A, See, whatever. yeah, we could, we could totally add magical elements to, I, I'm going to have mm. to think about this now as we move through the rest of this, but um, right. so we've talked about coinage, you know, Paper yeah. money, even. Paper money. Um, but what about Checks. like bars and ingots of, you know, right. like, especially right. if you're rich, it's like now you're going right. to boil this down and make it into bricks because it's easier or, to store yeah. or, yeah. I don't know. Ingots, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bullion. So, yeah. So if you have that kind of currency, bars and ingots, yeah. like, what do yeah. they look like? Build all that out. Yeah. Um, where do you store them? The regions. The other yeah. thing I wanted to bring up was gems. I was because... about to say gems. Oh, were you? Yeah. Okay. You can talk yeah. about gems. Go ahead. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of an obvious thing in the sense that, you you know, you're carrying around huge amounts of coins or ingots or whatever the fuck. Yeah. You know, you might want to exchange them for a small bag mm -hmm. of gems that yep. you can then trade. At a, you know, you've got to go from Dagdagiel to Vangate. It's a 3,000-mile journey, you know? Mm -hmm. You don't want to be carrying a huge bag of coins with you. It's a lot of things to carry. It's very heavy, you know. So carrying a small bag of gems, you can sew them into your into your cloak. You know, you can put them down your sock or hide them in a pocket, a secret pocket somewhere. You know, things like that. So you can't just have them stolen off you. Right. Um, you can swallow them too. You know, and well, I guess it would depend on the um, the type of gems that you have. Because I would. Mm. So here's okay, boy. My brain's going in so many directions all at once. Um, but yeah, depending on the type of gems you have, you got to consider it could be a bad thing. It's a good thing because you have less to carry. It, your money's kind of consolidated into this but pouch. Now you can't spend it. Yeah, if you end up in a place that is like a you know a small hamlet, they're not going right. to be able to change that out for you. They'll <laughs> be like, sure, I'll take your massive diamond for that pint of ale. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so my character that I play in the other game, I purposely made her not care about like physical wealth physical like just material items right. and what has been the frustration of the group is i like i don't really care about gold if we get loot i don't care about gold i'll take gems because gems are mm. shiny and they're fun slaves and what i've slaves. learned what i've learned is whenever we go places if we are having trouble getting past the gate. If we are having trouble getting information out of people, all I got to do is pull a gem out randomly. I don't even care if I'm pulling out a $5,000 gem because I want right. a pint of ale. I'll right. do yeah. it. 
and all the players are like, but, but, and I'm like, sorry, already done. Like my character right. doesn't care about the value of anything. I just want the result. I want the ale. I want to get through the gate. I want to right. <laughs> get the right. information. Oh, I, I've got this player that's very much like that. She's always, what's her name? Gilra. She just hands out gold pieces like, like they're nothing. Mm -hmm. And actually the player, it was Jojo, Jordan, who occasionally comes on here too. He, he had a, he does this in, in various characters actually. Um, we had another character, Alexander, who ended up getting audited by his house because he was spending too much money on frivolous stuff. <laughs> wow. That's always fun. I'm yeah. sorry. I totally interrupted you. No, no, no. That's fine. That's bit. just, that was, that was the thing about gems was like, I, you know, I started carrying them thinking, oh, this is, you know, she doesn't care about money, but she cares about shinies. And then I was like, yeah, but she doesn't really understand the value of them. So sure, she's just going to start spending them. And my whole party has just been so upset with me, but I don't care. It's fun. Uh, yeah, um, and it's not like we've ever, I mean, that's the thing is I've learned Do in D&D, most yeah. parties, I think, like hang on to everything that they have. They're so afraid to use it because they might right. need it for something else. And then you get to right. the end of the game and you have like a shitload of stuff that you could have used that you never did. So this sure. this character, I'm purposely like, I'm just using everything as I get it. I'm going to leave this world with nothing on me. <laughs> right. So. I had one group of players in the Vain Gate Chronicles literally stole a treasure ship. Oh, wow. A whole ship with treasure. A whole ship full to the gunnels with treasure. Um, and then what do you do with it then? Do anything with it. And they're yeah. on the run and, and everyone's looking for them. And they had to go and hide on a secret island. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so gems, everybody. Uh, interesting, lots of pros and cons. And then uh, we already kind of talked about shells, but, you know, let's talk about odd currency, right? Something that's not coins or dollars, you know. Um, I found there was a couple uh, a couple things in the lore. Uh, there was a place that uses gond bells. They're like small brass bells that are worth about 10 gold. But... Right. If you use them in this area where there's like a temple to Gond, then they're actually worth double that much. So right. that's an interesting, you know, I don't know what you would do with the bells, but I guess they're used as currency. Interesting. Right. I have things like um, teeth. Yes. Goblins exchanging teeth. You know, I you put like them on that. a string and you make a necklace of them. So that's how you carry them around as your necklace with all your teeth. And, you know, bigger monsters that have bigger teeth are worth more, obviously. That's what I was um, going to ask. Like, yeah, then yeah, then you right. have goblin hunting teams that go out to like, right. yeah, right? Collecting the currency. And then that shit's worth something. Yeah. And actually on this topic, we should just make a quick little sideline over to the idea of things like resources, because... We're living in a world right now where scarcity of things like water are going to become an issue. Yeah. If you watch the movie June or if, if you've preferably read the book, Helen Kirkby, read the book. Um, what's, sorry. The, what's the book? June? June. Sorry. I'm going to say it in American so that you understand. Dune. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, Dune. <laughs> that's, that's how American, that's my American. It is a here. wonderful book. It's a wonderful book. And so, of course, water is essentially the most important currency. You know, it's all about the water. Yeah. So whatever's scarce in your society, in your game world or whatever, that's likely to be a high priority candidate for currency. Yes. Yeah. And now we're talking about books, but I think I asked, <laughs> have you read the Wheel of Time series? 
I have not, but I've watched some of the TV series. In fact, okay. I watched every, all of it that's come out so far. Okay, so then you wouldn't have seen this yet because it's not in the series. But in the books, there is a society called um, Aiel people. They're kind of like desert people. And right. same thing, water is very scarce. And right. I don't want to spoil it, even though the books have been out for like, I don't know, 30, 40 years or something. But um, there, so there's one Aiel woman who ends up kind of joining like the main group. So now she's she's traveling to all the same places they're all going to. And she's watching them take like a pitcher of water and just leave it on a table and walk away. And she's just staring at it like, why would you just leave water like unprotected where people can just take it whenever they want? Right. Like her reaction is so pure because it's water. And so consider if you're going to do some kind of odd currency and it mm. is scarce like that, what is their reaction if they go away from their society and they see that right. material being just used as, you know, sort of mundane, common day? Yeah, right. So, really right. interesting. Here's stuff. another interesting variant too. Seeing as we're talking about tabletop role playing games, um, as you well know, I like to talk about and run a lot of Vampire the Masquerade. Mm -hmm. Now, Vampire the Masquerade is largely set in modern times, so the primary currency is, of course dollars and cents mm -hmm. um, or whatever country you happen to be running the game and you know you could be running it in Botswana or something so I don't know what currency they use there and that's not the point here the point is that vampires because they live for a very long time essentially are immortal and have a lot of power money's not really worth that much to them it's it kind of just flows through and past them in their lives which seem to go on and on and on and on so money as a currency whilst it has some value is not as valuable as boons vampires mm -hmm. trade boons favors with other vampires yeah. and that might come in the form of some sort of act or act of service mm -hmm. or an introduction to a prince or um the creation of a ghoul or even a childer um you know a vampire progeny if you like yeah. some sort of you know favor basically um, so using favors as currency instead of physical stuff is quite an interesting way to go. And if you if you're playing if you're playing vampire, that's definitely something that you need to learn and think about and consider at all times because that's the main currency. Right. Well, and I would say that that definitely adds a level to role playing because they would have to decide like, is this boon worth? this right. thing you know what's right. what's the value here right and it, oftentimes it's something like the players have done something wrong where they've broken one of the traditions or something even by accident and they get dragged before the prince and the prince is like you've been very very bad and you should be punished and they're like oh no we're gonna die they're gonna stake us they're gonna put us in the sun oh god we're all gonna die and i'm like well or you can owe me a boon and at some point in the future i'm gonna call on you to do a thing yeah that kind of stuff so that's that's fun too that is and of fun. course that completely works perfectly well in a medieval fantasy setting too exactly any setting in fact it's you know it's yeah. a pretty much universal kind of currency you know i would even say yeah with a futuristic um mm. game that yep. makes a lot of sense too because you typically they you know they've evolved away from using money so there's always something else you know credits or chits like we talked about but you right. could totally use boons as a replacement for money in yeah i mean everybody does favors for each other i mean if you're talking about even in the modern day um kind of society look 
as a creative person working in a world full of other creative people where you need to collaborate with other people, like, for example, the show that we're doing right now, you know, yeah. we all end up doing favors for each other. And you can keep track of them and tick them off and, and make sure that the balance, the books balance, yeah. which is kind of anal and retentive. I and mean, I wouldn't really <laughs> do that unless I was dealing with assholes, but yeah. I'm not. So I don't bother with that. But I'm sure that there are there is a level somewhere where that happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh man, so much fun. Okay. So yeah, odd currency. Um, the last thing I had that I had found in the lore was something called char rings where it's basically slice. It's ivory that I think they, they, they keep a whole is my right. understanding. And then they just do slices of this ivory Ooh. and each slice is like three gold. So Love I kind of like that idea. Like instead of right. storing it in a pouch, you just have this large thing of ivory. And then when you need to spend it, you just slice off a bit. <laughs> you could use cheese. Yeah. <laughs> so Food's a great currency too, actually. I mean, food is a good, know, yeah. Depending on oh, your setting. Oh. Well, I mean, also like things like uh, if you happen to be in jail in some sort of, uh, depending on what the world is, but if it's a modern like game, like cigarettes world, and stuff, cigarettes exactly, <laughs> yeah. cigarettes as currency, that type of stuff. Yeah, all sorts ramen of packets. That, um, right, ramen <laughs> packets. You, you, whatever it is, you want it to be small, concealable, and easily carried. You know, yeah. these are the what are the requirements for your currency in that respect too. Do you want everyone to know that you're carrying it, that you have lots of it, or are you sort of keeping it on the down low? So these are things to think about. Yeah. Yes. All right. So I think, oh, aside from adding magic to currency, is there anything mm. that you can, because I, I haven't thought about it because I don't know why I didn't even think to add it in my notes, adding magic to currency. Right. Well, I mean, you can have things like, I mean, when I, you know, I was talking about the, the Anim strikes before those big giant coins and they come in, in a variety of types as well. But of course, nobody really knows what they are or what they were used for because these are 10, 20,000 year old coins. Mm -hmm. But some of them have huge gems encrusted in them and, and, and artworks embossed in them and that type of stuff as well. So getting into the, the descriptions of the coins, I think, can be really interesting. And the descriptions of the currency is quite fun. And yeah. you, you were talking about that earlier with the different shapes and styles of coins and so on. I, I love that stuff. You know, I, I find it really, the, the, you can see the face of an ancient 20,000 year old giant king printed yeah. on this Anim strike. I think that's fucking cool, man. <laughs> okay. Not magical, but I thought of something. Okay. So I had mm -hmm. seen this thing. I made a post about it. It's on the Dungeon Studios page, but I tend to go out on the interwebs and when i see something really interesting that gets my yeah. brain going like i just want to share it um with people so i had found this coin that someone had created and on the face of it it just looks like some scenery with like a dude with a sword and there's like some kind of a door in behind him and you realize when you mess with the coin that the sword comes out and you can actually turn the coin and replace the sword in a different section of the coin and then the doors slide open and there's oh. something like a little picture or something in the coin so cool. i thought how cool would that be for like um you were talking about secret coins you know for um a society where like the right. picture that's revealed is maybe some kind of a location a, a clue to right. a location where the secret treasury is or right. whatever it could be a magical thing too like you know you you put the sword back into into a different area and now the coin becomes i don't know something 
I'm still right. struggling with the magic thing because I'm so caught off guard by it. But I'll just have to, I'll have to do that in the uh, the retcon rewind next next time. Is I'll right. Go, I mean, here's you, all the magical can, coins I thought of. Well, obviously, with magical coins, you can have things like illusions surrounding them. Um, that's mm -hmm. that's an obvious thing. You could have coins that cannot be affected by magic. That might be a thing that you could do. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, because some, I mean, it's, it's very easy to take a coin and say this gold coin is a platinum coin or this copper piece is a, is a platinum coin, you know, mm -hmm. um, and place some sort of enchantment on it. But if you have a coin that re repels magic, that, that might be a thing. I don't know. Yeah. Um, huh. That would be interesting, especially if like you had it on your person. Right. <laughs> Could well, you imagine that's... if you didn't know that it repelled magic and then all of a sudden like magic right. spells aren't hitting you and you're like, what's new yeah. what's different why <laughs> right yeah interesting what was i gonna say it was something else i had up my, up my sleeve there too Uh oh, um, magic coins yeah. right i do have another example of a magic coin but i'm waiting for you to, to hand over to talk about um the sidariel currencies oh shall i shall i cover that yeah no please do yeah i saw your video i did not put that stuff all in the notes so let's talk oh, about no, no, the sidariel so yeah. in in my world, just to, to so I guess this is an example of what I do um, and how I use coins. And it's it's not that detailed. There's only like two pages of stuff here, really. And m most of it consists of a chart. But, of course, you've got your old platinum pieces, gold pieces, electrum pieces, silver pieces, and copper pieces. And they're all kind of values of 10. To make life easier on myself, I decided not to use the D&D system, which is 5 electrum is a gold piece and I just went with 10 electrum as a gold piece and 10 silver is an electrum piece. That keeps it very simple. Then you don't right. have to fuck around doing maths. It's all base 10. So beyond this universal system, we have more regional currencies that in some cases can be traded or sold for other currencies. So the high elves and the wood elves have their own currency. And that starts with the Anum strikes, which are worth like thousands of gold pieces and, and don't really have a kind of, and it's unknown what they're even made of, right? right. Then you get a certain type of coin called a Durian crown, named after the good King Durian. They're worth about 100 gold pieces or 10 platinum pieces, and they're made of platinum. Um, and they, of course, have good King Durian's face stamped on them. Uh, we have high brook marks, um, which are, you know, marks, a type of currency, um, mm -hmm. which are worth an electrum piece. And they're the most common currency in the city of Hemoth Tirith, or otherwise known as Highbrook um, in common. Then they have solarium, which is gold, you know, sol, sun, gold, mm -hmm. alchemy, right? So solarium are gold pieces. Lunarium are silver pieces. Silver, the moon, lunar, blah, 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 back to alchemy. Um, and then terralian, terralian, um, is copper pieces. I don't know where I got that word from. I think I made it up. <laughs> right. So that's the kind of Alvin currencies. Then we have the Orkan Empire of the Angor Ma'ak. Their currency is they have uh, Angor tax um, or just tax, T-A-K, mm -hmm. tax. Um, they're worth about five silver pieces and they're made of steel. Um, then you have Rakam bits or just bits worth five copper pieces and the Orelm Peck. Yeah, or just peck, uh, which are worth about 0.25 of a copper piece just to be fucking annoying. And they made <laughs> it. 
Um, so you can see the sort of uh, difficulty of using and exchanging orc and currency. But of course, the orcs don't think about them in terms of points of other currencies. They only right. use their currency. So when you're in the orc and empire, you don't actually have to do the maths. You just right. spend the currency based on what the thing costs. Right. So it's much simpler in that respect. Um, the Muldraean Empire, or, or Protectorate, they have gate marks, which are silver pieces, ghent marks, which are gold pieces, and Muldraean crowns, which are platinum pieces. And then we get into the sort of more special currencies. Uh, I mentioned the Anum Forge struck coins, or the Anum Strikes, extremely rare, impossible to find, named after the creative god of the giants. Enormous wheels of electrum, gold, and mithril. There you go. I did use mithril. Alloy smelted together in the furnaces of the Fire Lords tens of thousands of years ago during the Age of Dragons. Each All right, coin so it's right. Sorry, I didn't, I thought, sorry, I was not trying to cut you off. I was just going to tell all our listeners, this is the example of how you homebrew currency. <laughs> Go right. ahead, continue. So each coin itself is so big and so heavy that it would require an ox and a cart to move any considerable distance. Among the most precious artifacts of the ancient world, Anum Strikes, as they are sometimes called, can only be found in number among the few lairs of the most ancient dragons. Much fewer numbers are said to be held by certain royal lineages and wizards. In the present day, any one of them of these coins could support a city-state for a year. A wow. single annum is presented annually at the Festival of the Wheel by, uh, or for Corallon Larathian by the High King of Highbrook during a special parade. Now then we have dragon coins. And these are kind of different again. Forged by evil metallic dragons of a bygone era, age to bribe men, goblinoids, and elves. These were brewed particularly for that purpose by these evil dragons. These coins are said to cultivate greed and deceit among those who trade with them. To those who are prepared to traffic in this dark currency, a dragon coin is worth approximately 75 gold pieces. They're also extremely light and extremely durable and have been known to be utilized by pirates, smugglers, mercenaries of every race and creed. If they are indeed cursed, these professional soldiers and other disreputable professionals pay no heed. They instead say a mostly forgotten prayer to an ancient dragon goddess. It is said to be an offering just powerful enough to appease her for now. Mm, so there's an example of a cursed coin. And we don't really know what it does. But if you, you say the name of the, of the dragon queen when you use the coin the curse doesn't fall on you as long as you are propagating her name. Ah. If you don't say her name when you use the coin, then you can expect at the very least Bad disadvantage things. on your next fucking skill check. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, then we have Durian crowns. These are outlawed by the usurper king of Sidariel of Tularathion. These coins were minted during the reign of High King Durian, Erathani, said to be of the direct bloodline of the primal elves. One side of these platinum coins depicts a relief of Corallon Larathian, king of the elven gods, while the reverse depicts an ancient platinum dragon, Bahamut. So another coin. Uh, then we have the drow currency. Uh, they're called Zorans, made of silver primarily. Long rows of square or rectangular silver coins on strings. Ten Zoran to the gold piece. This is D-Z-O-R-A-N. Mm -hmm. For me, 
the the drow everything the drow does lots of drow words and names start with dz like drizzed there's yeah. lots of dzz noises um so 10 zoran to the gold piece minted with the faces of the matriarchs of abnog gur and the image and symbols of lolth said to be cursed bad luck to use on the surface so there's there's the sort of most simple outline of the coins that i use in my sidereal currencies mm -hmm. um, this is why people pay you the big us bucks because <laughs> <laughs> you homebrew your currency quite well that was a lot of a lot of info well so in my sci-fi universe the, i've got a whole other sort of pile of stuff here right so the currency in this is a game called premium solemn that i haven't finished working on yet and i'm still making ai art for it and and it's going to take years i suspect i mean i may die before this happens but Don't anyway <laughs> the, the the primary currency in this world is called ebits um so I'll, I'll just read you a brief bit about this by the year 31056 post-human era the most common form of currency is the ebit an electronic currency used across the data sphere networks using EP comms and EBIT protocols. It is a decentralized currency um, stored on the ISQN2 network anonymously and like a physical currency cannot be hacked or taxed without the owner's expressed permission. Because EBITs use the ISQN2 networks, this is a whole thing, I'm not going to go into that, uh, they are utilized by all factions almost universally with the exception of a few pirate stakes and states and rogues who prefer to stay off the grid anyway. Although even they most likely still have a few EBIT accounts amongst them. The EBIT has been now in use since before the Sixth War, despite numerous attempts to create state and factional currencies. They have never worked out successfully or been especially popular. The EBIT encryption has proven unbreakable, requires no human management, and too many economies are based upon it to transfer to a new method. The currency stacks up as such. You have ebits, which are called E's, e-bytes, which are called EB's, and EK's, which are just EK. Um, then you have megs, gigs, and terras, which are also higher standards of currency. Examples: a 90 E's will buy you a drink, 850 to 2,000 E's will buy you a room for the night. A million E's will buy you a Transtech vector craft or a hover car, and a trillion ebits will buy you a C-Class M-Core Starship engine. Loans and overdrafts are available from ISQN2 as well as the ones from clans, houses, sponsors, certain corporations, employers, gangs, and shady loan shark outfits. Interest and payment schedules range depending on one's capacity for income and the organization's lending criteria. So there you go. That's, that's two different currency sets that... We've homebrewed for two different games and two different genres. There you go. Uh, any questions? <laughs> so that's, yeah, for our listeners, that is a, the, the, a good example of really world building your currency for your world and just coming up with all those details. Well, it's it's a matter of detail, I reckon. You know, the yeah. devil is in the detail. People ask questions. It's better to have lots of detail in your head than you can dumb it down or simplify it for whatever questions come. And then right. if you feel that you have an opportunity to add some extra law there because the game's going slowly or whatever, you can feed in more detail. Yeah. Having yeah. that detail is quite handy, I find. So hmm. you mentioned something about 
changing the value of, I think it was Electrum in your game. So uh, this this leads in really well to what I was going to start sharing, which is like the tips, tricks, and tools uh, you could use for helping to world build your currency. So one of the things I saw online uh, was people said, if you're having a hard time understanding the value of um, what something, not not necessarily Electrum, but like what a shield should be worth. Um, Because, you know, there's no real table, set table uh, for D&D of like, this magic shield is worth this and this, you know, sword, because it's all about the rarity of the item. And now that's what determines the value of the shield. So what these folks have done, do you have to go? Okay. I'm just going to say it out loud. No, no, no. I'm I'm back. I'm I'm good. Okay. I I just had to hand something over to somebody. Oh, no problem. (laughs) Um, Is they decided to change the exchange rate in their uh, world to be similar to um, the US dollars. So like gold is equal to a dollar, silver is equal to a dime, electrum's a nickel, and copper's a penny. And that for some reason in their game really helps everyone understand the value of these things. So um, that was gonna be one of my tips and tricks to share with folks. If you're having trouble with this whole 10 copper is, is a silver and 10 silver is a gold, then change it up so that the exchange rate makes sense to you guys, whatever, wherever you live, whatever that exchange essentially, rate is. Essentially the opposite of what I'm doing, which is to make it as impossibly incomprehensible <laughs> as I possibly can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you changed the electrum rate because that made yeah. sense. So, yeah. Um, okay. So the other thing I was going to tell everyone was if you're going to homebrew and this is your first foray or it, it just seems very um, overwhelming, then just homebrew with a light touch. Like like we showed in the very beginning, like you can still use standard currency and just throw in like one little detail and that's enough to like really bring people in and f- and kind of make your world feel a little more fleshed out. Right. Um, okay, so here's the other thing I found. I found a couple of online tools because cool. I don't know, like name naming your currency could be right. hard. Like you've come up with really great names. Like you have like the E bits and, but it's shortened to like E's and EB's and EK's like, that's right. really cool. But I know that there's some people that like would struggle to come up with a name for their currency. So right. there are online tools just to generate names of currency, yep. not values, but just even a, just yep. a name. And then yep. there are also sites that will generate their values, what they look like, their exchange wow. rate. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of online tools. So just Google it up and uh, you could even find, actually I think I found a site that will also provide a reference sheet. So it's created this currency and now it's gonna give you a, a quick reference sheet of like one night in an inn would cost this much of this type of currency that we just created for you. One right. meal would, you know, so that's really helpful. Um, right. Let's see. Yeah, those, those those sorts of tables are useful. And I, I find myself often referring to the DM screen that I have, you know, my it's mm-hmm. pretty standard D screen. Um, GM, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And because exactly. there's a nice little table on the back of that that gives you some very simple stuff. How much does an inn cost for a moderate meal? Mm-hmm. You know, how much does a blah, blah, blah cost? It's, that stuff comes up all the time. Yeah. And as you get to know it and become familiar with it, you're able to kind of start guesstimating what you think other things should cost. And nothing you should, should, as a DM, I think it's really 
I think it's cool to not charge what's listed. You mm-hmm. should make every place, every proprietor, every every trader, every merchant charge different rates. Right. Some of them have better rates. Some of them have worse rates. How far do you have to go to get the thing? You know, if you have to go outside the city to get the thing, maybe it's cheaper. If, if it's right there and it's convenient, maybe it's more expensive. You yeah, know, that that's actually a really great point because that's another another way to kind of build lore into your world is like you have two warring traders and one hikes their price up a little bit and then right. you know you could start getting into a bidding war or talk get right. get right. a discount rate with one if you work, uh, do some kind of a adventure for them and now right. they'll give you a 10 percent off deal you know so you could really play into that boons. exactly right so i love that yeah all right so, so how do economies work do you have me. any like other I, I, there wasn't a whole lot online other than just generators as far for, as like t- specifically tips, for, tools. for coming up with currencies. Yeah. Well, I always refer to the holiest of holy books, Libra Google. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is the most powerful and useful tool available to man right now, I think. Um, right. But I will say that probably my, I've been doing a, fucking ridiculous amount of AI art over the last few weeks and I've just made so much stuff um, but my next project may in fact be coins yeah that'll be cool bunch of different coins that, that, that will be fun I am like I said after doing this research I am very interested in building this out in my world just a little more right um, so I think oh go ahead hmm, I was gonna say I think maybe it's Another thing I guess it's interesting that's related to the whole topic of currency is like things like vaults and chests and and where do you keep coins, how do you keep them safe, security, that type of stuff all relates to this. How do you transport them? And I guess we covered a lot of the stuff in terms of gems and things. Um, but yeah, you know, chests and boxes and, and all of that type of stuff, definitely worth thinking about. And, and you could have, uh, you, you know, there might be a certain type of chest that is highly recognizable as belonging to a certain group of people mm-hmm. um, because it has their colors on it or it's built in a certain style and it has a certain type of lock, um, that kind of stuff. And then, and then we could go back into traps and puzzles too, if you wanted to. Right, yeah. It's like one thing touches another thing touches another thing. So yeah, you build out right. your currency, then you start thinking about, well, how do they manage right. this currency, which then might help you world build your societies yeah. or your regions. And then, yeah, you yeah. just keep going. I think, I think what's, I mean, just on, on the general topic of world building, and it refers to everything that we're talking about, but, you know, we're talking about currencies right now. How do you find a way to make whatever you're home brewing or whatever you're including in your game, whether it's actual canon lore or it's your own stuff, you, you need to make it somehow important and emotional. It should have an emotional value to the to the players and to yourself as well, because then you're going to convey it as emotional as well. And yeah. so if you have... Like for me personally, I I really love these giant anim coins, these anim strikes. I do too. And there's an emotional component to that, and it's that's what makes it a story. I mean, nobody gives a fuck if if it's just oh we're just trading. It's it's just a big piece of metal or whatever, or, or it's just like another gold piece. But yeah. when it has some kind of story to it, because it's the narrative that creates those emotions, the connections to to ideas that are universal that gives us a kind of that's what makes it more fun so yeah yeah yeah. that's my point 
So that leads uh, leads great into the weekly world building. And we're going to, I'm, so here's, here's what I did. I went online and I was just trying to kind of generate like random societies or locations to kind of see like what, what currency would we put into this area or this world? Right. right? And I did, I did one in fantasy because we, we talk heavy, heavy about fantasy and there's a lot of lore already around that. Um, But I did a few sci-fi examples. So the first one for fantasy was, Imagine that there's a fallen primordial or titan from like forever ago. So it's just right. a huge bone. Like, I mean, think, I'm trying to think of the scale to, to help you imagine. Like so colossal, taller, colossal, like taller than the tallest size skyscraper right. bones that just extend for like as far as you can Miles. see. And right. cities have popped up underneath it or in the bones even like if the bones are that huge so what kind of what kind of currency do you think you would imagine maybe and just kind of just with that setting alone not even world building anything into it well i i guess i mean my first impression if if i'm allowed to say yeah would be you know imagine people that climb up these bones Mm -hmm. and extract pieces from them yeah. And the higher the pieces come from, and maybe they've been exposed to different weather conditions or they have a different age or different kind of aspects of the bone, um, and you could make a currency out of that, that that's yeah. worth more. Maybe the, the ivory of different bones and different parts of the bones might be worth more or less. Oh, yeah. And then you could even... Oh, that's crazy because then the, the different names and values would be like, this comes from the tibia. So we would name this, you know, but this comes from the, the head or the teeth, you know, like you right, said, right. Uh, this, oh my gosh. I mean, that, and just, that just feeds immediately back to my goblin thing because yeah. uh, now I'm going, yeah, why they don't just have to use teeth. You know, you could, they could be trading finger bones and, and yeah. other bones. And the bigger the bones, maybe the more they're worth, you know. Right. Imagine what a dragon's skull's worth or even a dragon's fang compared to a, you know, an orc fang. Yeah. You know, the other thing I was thinking of, I don't know if this is currency. This is probably more world building. But, you know, mm. if there was like a skull to this thing, that area would be completely like shaded with maybe like, you know, wherever the eye holes are, there's a little bit of sun coming in. But that's like the shaded right area right. so i'm now envisioning that to be like the las Living vegas there. the atlantic city the gambling <laughs> uh, you know because it's dark all the time and so there's some kind of special currency over there your temple too know. yeah <laughs> oh temples yeah. temples oh, yeah. you know you build, and and temples holy currencies too you know um some gods are more or less kind of uh au fait with mm-hmm. the idea of capitalism and currency and the competition and you know using the idea of fiat currencies and and having currencies that are based on something else yeah you know like gold standard and and we used to have the gold standard i mean there there's a rumor going around that the reason you know the west invaded places like um you know uh northern africa libya is because they stopped using the gold standard uh, and that was going to undermine the American dollar. Interesting. You know, we don't want yeah. that. So the, 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 the whole wars are fought over currencies. Right, and exactly. people that create new currencies, like we're going to stop using your currency now. We're going to create our own currency. Fuck you. Yeah. You know, you know that- what else I started thinking of was, you know, instead of 
because I was thinking about the shape of the currency, right? Instead of right. it being like coin shaped or, you know, because they're they're having to carve it. What if they're like bone shards? You know, mm. the, the larger the shard, then the more yep. this costs or, you know, the shape of there's like a, right. a you know how people will uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? They'll take the little thing and look at gems and they'll have the clarity in the cut. Like there, there's that right. whole aspect Arts. to the shards, uh, bone right. shards. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So that was one one fantasy setting, really quick and one easy. All right. Um, so now for sci-fi, here's what I did. All I did was generate like the name of a locale and just the name alone already inspired me. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna shout these out. Okay, so the first one, the name that was generated was the industrial complex in low earth orbit. And right. my my immediate I, I don't even know what this place looks like. But I thought low Earth orbit, they still have gravity. So, but but it's like slightly lighter than Earth's gravity, right. but not by much. So my first thought was, okay, so nobody lives on Earth. Everybody lives off Earth. And the currency is gravity. Because if you want to have gravity, you get to go to this industrial complex in low Earth orbit. Right. And right. I'm trying to think like what that would look like. Like well, maybe people I mean, sleep better. People sleep better in gravity, so they would pay. Well, yeah, I don't know. yeah. There's all sorts of reasons you want gravity. You know, bone yeah. density, for example, bone you density. lose bone density over not having gravity, and there's all sorts of illnesses that arise from it as well because your blood doesn't flow through your body the same way. Right. Um, because your heart's pumping blood in all directions at the same, you know, at the same level, the same amount of difficulty. Yeah. So to special speak. medical procedures, right? Maybe could only be done if there's gravity. Right. Yeah, there's uh, lots of things that certainly require gravity, and and you can have things like gravity-fed um, energy things. You know, I mean, yeah. hydroelectric, for example, is essentially gravity. Yeah, um, that type of thing. But yeah, gravity as currency. I was like, oh was man, I want to dig into that so much more because that was so fascinating to me. But just that alone, so right. cool. Just generating right. a name. So the next name Absolutely. that was generated yep. was the terraforming complex on new Yellowstone. So wow. I, I took that as like Yellowstone Park and right, yeah. some post-apocalyptic thing has happened. And now Yellowstone is like the the civilization and it's now right. new Yellowstone. <laughs> so one little fact I had learned about Yellowstone is that half of the world's hydrothermal features are there. Right. So it's then, a super volcano. It's a super volcano. So I was thinking, you know, if it's a post-apocalyptic thing, heat as currency. Right. This is the right. world's heat generator now. Right. So, right. I, yeah, I don't know. It, well, these—that's right. I mean, this is stuff that that's universal. We need it as as people, as humans, as societies. It's, yeah. That's what makes it a currency. That's great. So, like, you know, the masses just kind of generate—they all live around this new Yellowstone, the further right. away from it you are, the poorer you are. Uh, right. If you're living in there and maybe you find ways to store this ge geothermal heat so, or, so or is that power it. Or is that the base, the currency is, is that what the currency is based on? Like we have carbon credits, for example, in, right. in modern society, you know? And so carbon is kind of a currency. It's a kind of a reverse currency. Yeah. In, in a way. Yeah. There's also the notion that debt is currency. 
You yeah. know, we get people <laughs> selling debt to each other, um, yeah. big financial organizations that purchase huge amounts of debt off other companies, loaning companies, and then change the interest rates so they can make money off it. Stuff Interesting. Like that. See, so now that I, now I'm thinking, okay, so not everyone in the world can fit around Yellowstone. So now there's huge companies that come in and purchase the heat that they can from Yellowstone and right. bring it to the outside world, but they have it at a massive upcharge, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, power, electricity, I mean, you can store that in batteries, right? So batteries yeah. could be worth a lot yeah. um, in certain ways. Sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. Sunlight too. I mean, yeah. Think about, oh, this is, see, there's so much to think about. And all I did was just generate a name. So right. it's, it's really cool. Okay. And then the last one um, was called the monolith of time on planet X. And right. not that it has to be on another planet, but the fact that time is a currency. Have you ever seen that movie? I think it's called In Time and it has Justin Timberlake in it. It's not, no. I know, it's no. it's Justin Timberlake. But the concept of the movie is that um, everyone has like a, uh, not a watch, but they have something on them that keeps track of this time that's always that's... running down. And when the time right. runs down to zero, you die. So the right. time is literally your life. And right. the rich people live forever and they look youthful and they live forever. And the poor people are like living day to day with just Haggard, 24 hours quickly, right, right. Damn. So, and then living day to day to keep the keep the currency up so they have just enough to make just one enough day to live time. that day yeah so yeah, yeah right so they work hard so that's time is currency that is a really great example i love that but i was also thinking like how else could you spin it besides this is how long you get to live and i was have thinking yeah go no go ahead have you seen or read um the anime death note oh yes Right. So you remember Ryuk. Um, he makes a deal with Light, uh, what's his name? Light Agame, um, yeah, the main I character. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah. He makes this deal where essentially um, he gives up half his life and he doesn't know how long his life is, but he gives up half of it in order to become more powerful. Uh -huh. And so there's sort of this deal that he's making. It's like a pact. It's like a patron pact, a warlock pact almost. Yeah. But again, it goes back to the boons, favors kind of ideal. But but more sealed, more kind of contractual. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that idea. I didn't even think about it as like a warlock pact, but you're right. That does sound kind of like that. Like, I'm going to give you more power, and in exchange, you're giving right. me Because that's time. what a currency is, right? It's an exchange yeah. of something, goods or services. Um, yeah. So it's, a, I guess, an arbitrary thing that, I don't know, we need an economist to tell us what a currency is properly. Right. <laughs> So I was thinking instead of time running out and then you die, what if as a currency, let's say, I'm just imagining it physically as a coin, but let's, it doesn't have to be a coin, but let's say you have a 10 minute coin, right? 10 minutes of time and you can, for those 10 minutes, the world stops except for you. So you have 10 right. minutes that you can complete something a little bit faster, you know, or like right. just get 10 minutes to yourself by yourself quiet like whatever it is but you right. can free everyone freezes except for you now imagine no. if you're rich like what you could get done right and to everyone else it just seems like you are so productive you know but right. you're just right. using your time wisely right. 
that's kind of a, a metaphor for what does happen anyway in a way i mean if you've got lots of money you can pay other people to do the stuff exactly yeah your your sort of, money is worth your time or whatever the yeah, phrase is yeah, yeah time is money isn't it right that's, yeah that's what they say time yeah. is money yeah so and the thing that's... is yeah and oh, it's no, interesting awesome. too it's like um like what are the, if you think about what are the things that are worth the most to people presently real estate is one of the biggest things that people want and and want to have you know we all want to own a house mm -hmm. uh, because the houses are ridiculously expensive now um yeah. even vehicles are ridiculously expensive but houses particularly um and gold i mean what the fuck can you do with gold there's nothing you can it's not useful <laughs> you know it's sort of a weird thing to base a currency on honestly but yeah and uh, you think you would base it on something like I don't know, a metal that you can make stuff out of. <laughs> you know, honestly, now that we've had this discussion, it's getting me thinking like that would just make a really interesting plot point to your world is if the standard currency becomes less valuable as some new thing becomes the currency in your world and that your right. players have to start playing through this and realizing like right. and now we got to go get this thing because this is what's worth souls as currency <laughs> exactly so yeah. all right so that i mean just world building all i did was generate names and bing bang boom lots of ideas being thrown about yeah. i love it awesome. it's my awesome. favorite thing about world building yeah it's so. fantastic isn't it Yes. Uh, so work. this is the point in the show, everyone, where I tell you to please remember to like and share and subscribe. Uh, mm -hmm. Please support us so that we can continue to give you this <laughs> very entertaining uh, chatter that we have between me and Russell. I love it. Uh, but yeah, come check us out on the website, on Dungeon Studios website. Uh, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, we have TikTok. And then, as I mentioned before, whenever the shows get posted to um, podcast format, you will find us on all the podcasting platforms, Amazon, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and our website, and yeah, wherever you get your podcasts. If you've heard it, we do it. Yes. And then come join us on Discord, because we're always looking for creatives. We like to hang out mm -hmm. on Discord and just chat away and share memes, and so come find us and hang yeah. out with us. And we play music videos between um, during our breaks. And so yes. if you happen to be a music content creator and have music videos that are actually good and that people will like, send them to us and we'll check them out and see if we want to play them on our stream. Yes. Yeah. And if you yeah. want to do that, come find us on uh, Facebook. Send a private message on our Facebook page. That's where that would probably be the be best place to send that. Cool. All right. So... Yeah, I think that's it for our show. It's a short one, but we're on a holiday week, so we'll just yeah. let everybody go. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Yep. All right. Thanks for having <laughs> so, us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to us. Thanks for sharing us. And yep. uh, just want to end it and say that these days can be fun days when you talk nerdy with friends. There you go. All right, everybody. Have a good Over week. Over and out. See you then. Bye. Bye.